Hey everyone, welcome to The Domestic Game. This is our season kickoff for 2024 and we have a new host. Welcome to The Domestic Game, Ian Shaw. Hey guys. <laughs> you have to say Just more than that. <laughs> one guy, because Joe's not here. <laughs> Joe is not here, yeah. Joe is having electricity electricity issues, <laughs> um, which is very Joe. It's, very, it's a very Joe thing to do. I will pretend to be Joe while he's not here and just do a pump fake every so often during the broadcast. For <laughs> Joe. Just love, now that he's not here, like he's just open to being roasted all the way through this episode. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll, you'll, see episode, you'll see episode two. <laughs> he's going to get roasted when he's here as well. <laughs> that is true. Um, but however, without Joe, we proceed. And we have, of course, our season opener. So we'll do some power rankings of our two divisions. And then we have a fantastic guest lined up in the new Rebels head coach, Shane Campbell. So he'll be joining us later. So I'm super excited for that one. Righty, Ian, I suppose we'll get to it. Um, where will we start? I suppose the best place to start is the, the same as where all podcasts are starting them in, is the, the power rankings of the Premier Division. Yes, I agree. Okay, start from the top or start from the bottom? Start from the top, because we're going to start Ooh. with, the, I mean, we're, we're going to start with the Dublin Rebels, right? Oh, spoiler. No, we're, we're going to start with the Dublin <laughs> Rebels at one, like everybody else has. If we start at eight, you know we're going to finish with the Rebels. So start at the top, right? Yeah. So, so the Rebels that... are going to be massive favourites in every game that they're playing, right? Apart from the UCD pair, where they're small favourites. Um, they have a really favourable road schedule. They've got two trips to Dublin and a pair of games against the teams that were in Div 1 recently. That's the Minotaurs and the, the Vikings. And even like the tougher ones, they, they won. They played Cork last year in Cork and won 46 nil. So you know, I, I don't think that they're going to have that much trouble with the middling opponent either. But uh, yeah, I'd say that the Rebels are going to be one. Yeah, I think that across the board we're seeing the Rebels at basically the top of like most power rankings and I think it's yeah. a well-deserved well-deserved title I mean they went completely undefeated last year and even if we count since COVID they've only had one loss yeah in the postseason yeah like it's they're perfect in the regular season since COVID right yes they lost mm-hmm. the Shamrock Bowl in 2020 through four 22 22 that's that's a big prediction for this year (laughs) they're like trying to count (laughs) but um yeah and that's that's what the only game that they've lost Mm -hmm, yeah since COVID like so I mean it's fantastic I think that coming into this season they have without a doubt a bowl winning offense I don't think that that's in dispute the offense is is absolutely stacked and I think it's going to continue to get better. I mean, they're a team that's constantly recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have a few question marks over the defense. I think the defense, if we're being kind of harsh, is is going to find it maybe a little bit tougher than they have previous seasons just because they've had some very big losses. They've lost, obviously, Conrad Cook, which is, which is a big yeah, one. They yeah. also lost. That's a big one. Yeah, and they lost their play caller from the the Shamrock Bowl. And if we look at the Shamrock Bowl from last year and the previous year, I really think defense was the difference between the two. And and basically, offense was rolling in both, but defense was the thing that kind of was the difference for the Rebels between one bowl and the other. Mm -hmm. So this year, I think if there is a weakness, and it's a a big if, I would see it being more so on the defensive side of the ball. But still, that being said, I think a well-deserved number one in the power rankings for the Dublin Rebels. We have to give them a weakness. If not, it's just they're just infallible on both sides of the ball, and their special teams is perfect, and they're going to win everything. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. well defense, yeah, defenses, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. This is it. Um, number two, then. I mean, for me, 
again, number two is an easy one to put in for me. It's UCD. Mm-hmm. I think obviously they have a massive loss in, in Sean McVay. I think that um, we see it even from last year that they didn't have the same power in the backfield once he wasn't there. He's just a very physical player. And I think he has learned to be patient. And even as the seasons have gone on, we've kind of seen him, you know, following his blocks, even as he goes downfield, kind of hitting this second level cuts, stuff like this. I think that he has really developed and matured as a player. And I think that he'll get on really well in his new home in Switzerland. Hmm. Um, I think that there is an easy fix for UCD in that. I think that you have the likes of Brandon Atwell there who could easily go in yeah into that um running back position and and do fantastically as well um and then of course UCD are stacked for wide receivers so I think that that could be a rotation that maybe they'll consider really depending on whether Brandon wants to play in running back position or not um but that would be maybe like where they won't shine as much as they did in previous seasons just because Sean is such a big loss but other than that Mm -hmm. I really think that they're probably rolling what are your thoughts yeah, I mean, I think in terms of losing Sean McVay, I think the only thing that the UCD will lose really for, and again, no disrespect, I think Sean McVay was fantastic last year. He was Offensive Player of the Year, um, and quite deservedly so. I thought he was brilliant last year. Um, but the only thing that the team is going to lose as a result is that Offensive Player of the Year award. I think they've got a real, they've lost a gem of a running back, but they're coming down with talent everywhere. You mentioned Brandon Atwell, of course, already. Um, but running the ball is not just the running back, it's the offensive line as well, and I'm pretty certain they've kept most of that intact. You could replace him with Brandon Atwell. I think they'll do a committee. I think Rory O'Dwyer is going to be playing running back for them as well. You've got Sean Douglas, who's listed with them as a wide receiver, but he can do everything. Um, yeah, Jack Finnegan as well. Jack Finnegan, uh, who's uh, was he in his third year now, I think. He's yes. a fantastic wee player. And, uh, I mean, he's not a running back, but Aaron Mooney like, can, can obviously run with the ball, but they're, they have one of the better quarterbacks in the division. So they're not overly reliant on their own. You know, they don't lose their running back and that's them getting relegated. They'll still be able to play. Uh, another thing in terms of scheduling break that, that helps them out is they don't leave UCD's campus until late April. So mm. that'll, that'll certainly help get over that. Um, and you talked about the Rebels defense. I mean, UCD's defense is fantastic. It's why they're they're constantly competing in the, the regular and postseason now. I think they've added Alex Kuzmerich last I seen. I'm just peeping Instagram. Um, nice. Yeah, so he, he's a hell of a player. I mean, he's less of a safety now, more of like a an outside backer type. But I'm not, I'm not saying he can't pass cover anymore. I'm saying that you can put him, he's a chess piece that you could really put anywhere on their D. And uh, a lovely fellow, but uh, putting them <laughs> at two in the, the power rankings isn't saying that they can't beat the Rebels. In fact, there's a really good chance that, I mean, you get two cracks at them. It's more so saying that by, by putting UCD at two, I'm saying they're better than everybody else. They're not massively inferior to the one but they're they're certainly better than the rest of the field yeah and and that's who i think of when i when i consider like the rebels defense because i do think that the rebels defense is going to be absolutely excellent against most teams this year you know like um i think the the team that i that i think about in terms of matchups is of course ucd when i think about like the rebels defense and that's that's where i would be like i think that that matchup kind of will be will be a really really interesting one, and we're seeing it obviously. Um, and we get it twice. Taken off, yeah, we get it yeah. twice, and we get it this weekend. So I think that mm-hmm. that one will be, be quite quite interesting. Um, okay, but we have to move on then. So your number three, who's in your number three spot? This is where we start to get also a bit interesting because I think from 
Like, yeah, because my three, four, and five are going to be different to yours and different to whatever <laughs> Joe had. Like, has, three, yeah. four, and five is cloudy. Like, I think everybody's sort of in agreement with the top two. Mm. Three, four, and five is interesting. My three, just because we're pressed for time, my three, I would say, uh, three is the Belfast Trojans. Um, okay. They, now, looking at their schedule, they got a couple of nasty road games to start the season. I think they go to Limerick and they go to Cork. However, I think they'll start way better and faster than they did last year. People forget they missed, like, Dom Lynn is their starter. I've seen him recently on posts, like, as an MVP candidate. He missed the first three games last year, and mm. they still made the playoffs. So he's had a full preseason, and he's fully healthy. And as much as, you know, that there's a lot of mileage in those first two trips, he'll be playing in both those games, fingers crossed. Um, again, despite the mileage, the opening two games aren't too daunting. You talked about the Rebels having a, a weakness potentially on defense. Not that they're poor, but just change into the guard and things like that. Well, the Trojans need to improve their ability to rush the passer based off games last year. And they're starting with Finn O'Donovan at UL. And a big question mark over Stephen Hayes' health? I don't, I'm not one to speculate, but I've heard, I, there's no smoke without fire. I've heard plenty of people across the league being like, we're not sure if Ace is going to play those early games. So mm-hmm. even if the Trojans pass rush isn't back to like a fantastic standard, I, I mean, Finn and question mark QB for Cork were probably two nice passers to start the season with in that aspect. Um, they've got a few players as well, the Trojans going into season two or season three, guys that are starting to get into this new system, new scheme. So like I I. The power rankings is not necessarily a prediction of where we think they finish, but I fully expect the Trojans to win at least five games this time around. I'd say they'd be favourites in five of their games anyway. Yeah, I I actually, like, I have a hard time disagreeing with you on the Belfast Trojans there, but I don't know if I'm just falling victim to what is like a fantastic marketing campaign because they definitely know how to really get you to buy in in, in the preseason. I, di- I did find um, Coach Gunning's like honesty very refreshing in how he reviewed the the previous season where he said sometimes they just simply weren't physical enough I also think that last year they kind of had some difficulty starting the season in terms of their defensive sec- secondary but then as the season went on that actually was not so much of a problem anymore and we started to see a lot more picks and the likes of Boyd let's say come like to the top of the stats um, each each week and I think that that kind of just shows the the coordination that's there, you know what I mean? And to be able to kind of fix the little niggles as the season goes on that, that need to be fixed. So mm. I do think that they are a team that has kind of, is well able to identify what their weaknesses are and then able to, to kind of, to fix those going into the next season. I think they did. They kind of died in their last game, but I think that um, they had kind of like a, not the best like end to their season last year. I think it was kind of one of those, they had one game extra that they probably didn't really want on their season. But I do think that they're, they're a team that knows how to make improvements in the, the, the preseason. Um, I also think that they have made some fantastic like acquisitions. They've like, got attracted some really good coaching um improvements some like nice coaching staff in that have like international experience and I think Mm -hmm. that that will obviously I mean that's obviously going to stand to a team as well so I can see good things for the Trojans this year so and just in terms of power rankings yeah I have them as my number three as well um Joe thought differently Joe had admirals 
He's Did you hear that, Trojans? You get to play the Minotaurs this year? Joe thought differently. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. This is the thing. I worry about Joe when he gives his opinions. I'm like, should we really be putting him in this position where he, he knows what he's doing? And get yeah. Absolutely killed on a Sunday, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but he said... Um, what did he say? He said, you know, it's hard to see where they're at. They've lost key pieces and we've heard everything from Hayes at full go to Hayes for half the year to no Hayes. They could be at three, they could be at six, but I'll give the benefit of the doubt for now. I do think that um, if they do, well, I suppose for me, maybe we shouldn't get into um, into talking about the Admirals just yet because I don't have them at number three, but that's where Joe, Joe had put them. Um, so like, to go on then who do you have at your number four okay so let's not talk about cork who do i have at my number four i have the cork admirals okay great so, yeah, <laughs> Sandy, yeah so they have questions at qb right yeah but one thing i really want to bang the table for with cork is very few teams in the history of this league have ever had a culture as strong as corks and i know a lot of teams still about what's our culture what's our vision but no they really they are a family as a club and it's all over them game day you see it between their consistency at key coaching positions, they've got, I'm not going to list, name them, but their head coach, DC and OC are fantastic. Yeah. They've got consistency there, and their the youth team is constantly churning out the next generation. So, like, 2024's edition will be different to last year's. Like, Cork are different each year, but most teams are. But whether or not they have Hayes for four games or six or eight or two, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be up. Out, you know, like we talk mm. about the Rebels and UCD being on an echelon above anybody else right now, but out of the rest of them, nobody will find Cork an easy game. They, they're fi- uh, the last two years, they're five, two, and one at home. Like they can turn Cork into a real fortress. It's a hard, it's a hard journey. Two of those defeats, by the way, are to the Rebels, right? So, mm. excluding the Rebels, they're undefeated at home in the last two years. So if they keep that going, that could be the difference and sneak it into this four seed. Yes, and I, I, I do agree. I agree with all your points. I think they're they're good points, well made. I didn't have Cork at my number four. I had Cork. Um, I have actually the South Dublin Panthers, but the reason why I didn't have Cork there is because, um, although I do like obviously the coaching is amazing there, and I think the youth program is fantastic, and that'll stand to them. But I just think that for a team that is so heavily a a passing offense. Um, mm. to the point where the run game is sometimes really not present. I think I went, uh, there was a game two years ago in Dublin against the Panthers where their running back scored three touchdowns. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like Cork has the best run, <laughs> this is such a good run game. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then it didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't continue after that. They went back to, to what they do best, which is a, a pass first offense and, and, they're really? one of the only offenses you'll see that don't they don't employ a fullback. Like a lot of teams are still employing a fullback. Not that you should get rid of it. Not that it's an outdated concept, but they're specifically like a, a four, three receiver, four receiver. Sometimes even a five receiver team. Like they're certainly pass heavy. Yeah, you know, and I just think that Stephen Hayes is obviously such a huge part of that mm. of that offense and has been for so long that as good as the the bat and I've heard that their backup it, it, more than capable. But I just it, think until sorry. He is. No, he definitely is. Yeah, he got some game time last year as well. Yeah, I just think that you know it's it's a it's a big ask though. And then as well, they've lost their number one target in Jack Cronin over to the Rebels. And I just think that the loss of two people who are so huge for that passing offense in one year is going to be is going to be quite difficult. So that's mm-hmm. why I didn't have the Admirals in at number four purely. <laughs> 
<laughs> purely for those. Uh, no those matter two. where we put them, we're going to get flack from people for not putting yeah. them all at one. But three through six, I, I would say for the most part, three through six are really interchangeable. Not that I think that my third team is going to finish sixth or the sixth mm. team is going to finish third. But you, depending on results, injuries, I mean, we play in a league where your starter could ring you on the Wednesday ahead of a game and be like, sorry, I can't, I'm working. Or, yeah. you know, sorry, I've got to look after the kids. It's an interchangeable league. Three through six is is up for grabs. Like. Totally. And then I suppose I had the Panthers there slightly ahead um, of them just purely because of a few different things that I'm hearing. So first off, like um, Coach Ona Sullivan has come over um, to mm -hmm. them. He was previously with the, the Vikings and um, he's just a very, very good offensive coach for sure. Good head coach, but definitely yeah. like offensively um offensively kind of his his where he's super strong at um I think he was the one that developed that like triple offense um system that or triple read offense that they use still in the Vikings um I think Ray Burke was the was the QB for the Vikings back in like 2017 that ran that mm -hmm. um all the way to the playoffs um and the I'm beating the Dublin Rebels at the time who went on to win the Shamrock Bowl the, the same year, but the... Did you go to Limerick, Kelly? <laughs> no. Just checking. It's like, just throwing, just throwing that out just, there. Just throwing out um, there. Just really casual, little throwaway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, so he's he's with the Panthers <laughs> now. So I think it's something that the Panthers were missing last year was a lot of support. You know, I kind of yeah. had a sense that it was a club that was really bandaging everything together for a year, you know, and still, I mean, kind of made the playoffs. <laughs> well, no, okay. They didn't make the playoffs, but they did finish in the four seed. Like, yeah. it's worth, it is worth pointing out. They, they won big games they needed to win. And it's not necessarily a lack of leadership, but it's a lack of guidance that they, they were, like you said, like putting plasters on uh, these problems that just kept it and you couldn't put the fires out quick enough they yeah. um it, it should be said that no they had a good season last year they did because, have a good I mean, season. finishing the four seed means that they finish in a playoff spot and they didn't have to go and play the Dublin rebels again so i mean that's a win <laughs> exactly so you know i i do think that this year there's a lot more uh support it feels like um i also mm -hmm. think that there's um with the addition of Ona Sullivan and even um, Romo coming in a chairperson, we kind of see this traditional, I want to say, for want of a better word, you know, staunch, like American football, old school attitude coming back into that club again, which kind of has been missing for the last while. That mm -hmm. real, like, um, that that type of attitude, it wins both. People that know how to win. People who know how to win at the highly yeah. competitive level. Yeah, people with experience. Exactly. And um, so that's come in. And then I think as well, this is also, I'll caveat this number four um, seat, and it really depends on what uh, Matty O'Meara is going to do and what Ray Burke is going to do. So Ray, I don't know if he's going to play American football this year because he's focused so much on flag, but I think that if he does, that is a fantastic weapon that you have on offense for South Dublin. And then also if Matty O'Meara, we don't know what he's doing this year is he international or is he going to be in Ireland and if he is who's he going to play with I could see that being the South Dublin Panthers which then um, pushes Finn out to be a wide receiver who is probably like I think it's okay to say he's the best wide receiver that we have in Ireland at the moment and Finn's extraordinary yeah we know that yeah. do you know what I mean he Super is fantastic player. so it gets him into a position where he is at his best even though he is a, actually like a very good QB as well. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I mean, you know they, I mean? they went four and four last year with him at QB. Yeah, that's how good he is. He's playing a position that is not his preferred or normal position, and he was fantastic at it. So, 
Yes, and I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, what about the numbers? Because it's a team that, you know, doesn't didn't seem to have an awful lot of numbers. And that's what I mean by it just needed support. Um, but at the same time, we see the, the I don't know what, the going to administration, we see the, the Pirates very close by, no longer actively playing. And I, I could see the South Dublin Panthers capitalizing on that and trying to get in a few a few more bodies that yes they'll still be coaching them up but they have players that know the basics of how to play American football from the get-go so mm-hmm. that's, that's why I have them at, at number four and not number five. I'm just wait, busting to get on to five because I have the Panthers at five and they could easily have been four or even three and I feel like I, I mean I've done five and six dirty it's it, I had to leave two teams out. Um, <laughs> the Panth- Panthers I feel like their odds of making the playoffs really come down to sweeping. I mean, everybody's got the double header series. They really have to sweep their double header series against the the Minotaurs. They can't split that series. They're, the schedule for the Panthers is really favourable as well. They're, they're the ones that get the biggest scheduling breaks for me. They have a realistic shot, and again, like anything can happen in any game. That you're right, the numbers people getting available, they could start five and zero. Oh. Like mm. the key for their season is winning four or five of their opening games and then maintaining their momentum and winning where they can through the final three. Because the final three are, I mean, as hard a stretch as, as any. So they got a really good schedule for the first five games. And in their last three are like real gut checkers. But they mm. could, I mean, five and three is enough to get in, right? I mean, four and four got in last year. You've got to think five wins get you in. So if I'm the Panthers and I've got the Rebels and UCD waiting for me at the jaws of hell in week six and seven <laughs> and eight, I would quite like to be five and oh going into it thinking, mm, we could probably get in no matter what happens in the next fortnight. Yeah. And I would rather see them later just to kind of state something really stupid. I'd rather see them later than see them earlier. Well, yeah, because if you're 0-1, you're already behind the state. I mean, the, the Rebels play UCD this weekend. Both teams are great. One of them's going 0-1, right? Unless there's that weird tie that we seen in the end of our series yesterday. Unless there's a weird tie, one of them's going to start with a losing record. And they're both great teams, but one of them's going to be 0-1 and behind the sticks, trying to catch up. Yeah, and it's also like I want my, I, like, I want my new players to have had a few games by the time that they play these teams. I mean, <laughs> you can say it either Not way. Not against you know. those two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, that's um I think all things all things considered, that's that's where I had them. If we look into live look into Joe's power rankings, he had Trojans at four as well. He said a true test for Dom Lynn, but you know, can the defense hold up um now that they don't have, let's say, the likes of the Cowboys that they're gonna play twice this year? He had Panthers at five. He said harsh considering they were playoff bound, if not for an admin error, but player numbers play their part here. Um, there's a talent base you can rely on there, though. So he's a bit like us. He's kind of going between the two. He says he doesn't know if they'll have players, but he can consider that they do have a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of talent at the same time. So where were we? Your number five is the South Dublin Panthers. Oh, you want sorry. me to do my number six? <laughs> number six. <laughs> my number not my strong point. My number six is the the Westmeath Minotaurs. So. They're in the same boat as the Panthers. They can make the playoffs and be the three of the four. They just have to head-to-head the Panthers twice. They've got, they've got to win that head-to-head matchup. Um, I'm not just saying this because he's not here. Um, I will give him plenty of stick when he is here. But Joe K was a great shout for a nomination for Offensive Player of the Year last year mm-hmm. um, because everybody in this league loves touchdowns and don't count interceptions. There's the sideways job. <laughs> they, they have questions at offensive line and on defense, but they have a quarterback who can will compete in every game they're in, they'll be in. Uh, they have the offense to hang with anybody. Um, 
I will say for Joe while he's not here that Sean Dalton's amazing. He, he can never stop talking about Sean Dalton. Now, he's a good wee player, but my God, trying to get a sentence out of Joe without Sean Dalton. It? The Minotaur's big problem for me, I mean, they showed how far they've come last year since their promotion. They are a Premier Division team. Nobody thinks they're a Div 1 team, and that's great. But they went 1-3 and three at home. Like mm. th- This year, their home games include the Knights and Vikings, who we haven't mentioned on our power rankings yet, and the Panthers. So they need to win a good chunk of their home game. They can't win one home game and hope to stay up. Yeah. Yeah. I also had the Minotaurs at number six. I think they've done enough to earn that number six spot. I, I do think that they had a very good season. They're one of, I think, the few teams that has come up and has been able to to stay up. Um, And, and you know, no question marks over it either, which I think is brilliant. I think, um, yeah, I agree with you on their offense. I think that their defense needs to maybe give a few different defensive looks this season I don't think that kind of really running like I I understand that a defensive playbook generally is a lot more simple but I don't think it can be quite as simple as what the Minotaurs run at the minute I think that they would need to give a few looks and and maybe start doing a few different like zone concepts and stuff like this particularly against some of the wide receivers that they will come up against this season Mm -hmm. um so that would be my my point for the the Minotaurs. Joe also had the Minotaurs at number six, and you know what? I really like when people can. Joe doesn't put them at one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do you know? So he said year two after putting up a debut Premier campaign, hard to place higher, um, uh, given who's above them, and would need a lot of help to go to the playoffs. But a Shield Cup win is on the cards for sure. That's how he feels about that. I would say that seems that is. fair. It's fair. Yeah. He'll say it. He'll always he'll always have his own like private ambitions, but I think that that's a very fair assessment. Okay, number seven. Where are you at number seven? Number seven. I mean, everyone's gonna anybody that I pick for seven is gonna hate that. The people that hate are gonna hate that they're not there. But mm. much like betting against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, I cannot bet that the Knights will go down. They have been perpetual. I feel like they've been the seven seed since like 2010. Like they are the masters of not getting relegated. Just ask the Rhinos, the Cowboys, the Vikings themselves. The Knights cannot get relegated. It's in the bylaws. They will not go down. Their schedule is such a weird one this year. They play six games and then their last two is the doubleheader with the Vikings. So they could play. I mean, I, I really do like the Knights this year, but like they could play like total tripe for three months beat the Vikings twice and stay up. And I'll be able to say, I told you so. They're not going down. They can't, they physically can't be relegated. So they can win as many or as little as those first five games as they want. They just, they need to look at the last two as a, a pair of cup finals. They need to win those. Like they start a little, one thing as well that I like, they are, they're making a change this year at quarterback, so far as I'm aware. Um, so they're going for a little bit of a youth revolution there. Uh, which I like, but I, they are starting a little bit later. If you look at the schedule, there's teams kicking off next Sunday and in the 10th and 17th, they don't kick off until the end of March. They're right at the death. And those extra two or three weeks make all the difference in terms of putting in an additional prep time. So I'm going to take the Knights as seven. And I think they just have too much for the Vikings in those last two games. Yeah, I don't have the Knights at seven. I have them at eight. Um, I think for the, the same reason that you have the Knights at seven <laughs> um it's just this you know they've been in that position for so long where it's kind of three straight seasons of being like winner go down games at the end of the season um i i think that the vikings are coming in with you know a bit more energy into this season i i feel like i do think that it could be like quite a difficult 
season for the Vikings, but they kind of have to take the same approach that the Minotaurs did last year, where it's just a case of get your get your place, secure your place in mm-hmm. yeah. this division for next year, you know, and and I think that they they could do that. They have some fantastic athletes and they also, you know, they have access to so many students every year. Their recruitment is quite strong every year. Um, you know, they're kind of I, I think like purely in terms of catchment area as well. They have everything that they need. They've really established themselves a presence in the city that they're in. And those things bode well for the Vikings. They still kind of operate that triple uh, read option offense that I think is quite yeah. quite difficult to to stop because you have so many options. <laughs> That's <laughs> why know, they call so. it the option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I think that that would bode, we- bode well for them in in the Premier Division, lest we not forget that they are traditionally a Premier Division team. So for me, sure, I like yeah. seeing them them up there, you know, whereas with the Knights, um, I um, I would like to see a bit more from them. You know what I mean? I would like to kind of see a bit like of a revival in that club coming into this. I would need to see something before I could I could put them up any higher than eighth, which I think sounds really harsh, but that's how I how I feel. Hey, this is how well, I'm going to speak about the Vikings the same way now. Like someone has to be ranked eighth, but I will caveat this by saying I think this is the most competitive the Premier Division's looked in about five or six years. Like yeah. the eight teams that are in there are class. The Vikings could the Vikings could easily be the the five. I think I'd seen one podcast at some point naming them as like the three, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, or four or something. No, I think it's a bit high. But their goal has to be the Minotaurs last year, has to be to stay in the division, and they can. Um, They're opening schedule, as we said with the um, uh, some of the other teams before, they open and they get the time to build into the season. Not the Vikings. Uh, Their first three games, three of the games, sorry, in their first four are against teams who have won the Shamrock Bowl since 2018, which is not ideal. Uh, but they have to see the opening five games as a warm-up. So they're the reverse of what the Panthers' schedule is. The first five games is like, oh, God, this is new. But the last three are games that they could win. They mm. could be they could be interested in games to close the regular season by the time they'll have blooded their rookies and you know they'll have a little bit of live fire action in the, the Premier Division. Uh, by the time those last three games come around, they could be firing on all cylinders and easily stay up. Yes, and I think it's interesting. We look across the power rankings. It really feels like it's a power ranking of three parts for me. I think like mm-hmm. there's yeah, first and second. You know, there's first and second, which you know maybe they'll interchange for certain people, but I think it's the, the two obvious teams going in there. And then you have three, four, five, six, which again you'll interchange them. But like that that section, everyone kind of agrees on which teams are in there. And then you have seven, eight, and nine, and where you're putting everyone just seven and eight not nine there's that (laughs) (laughs) why can't i count but um but do you get what i'm saying in the sense that it's like those are kind of the um, The tears really yeah exactly and then um so maybe i would do it more like one and two would be your top two teams and three four and five and then maybe six seven and eight sorry minotaurs yeah, because we're saying three to six, and what we really yeah. mean is just the middle of the pack. Because the yeah. Vikings could be six, or the Knights could be five. Like they, they could, they can move. But both exactly. their objectives—it's the, it's the objectives, though, isn't it? The top two. What, se- what separates these three tiers is the top two are trying to win the Shamrock Bowl. Yes. Three through six are trying to get into that top four, and then win one game that gets them to the Shamrock Bowl. And seven and eight want to be in the Premier Division in twenty twenty-five. That's the three yeah. tiers. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Um, Okay, great. 
we didn't get, unfortunately, to our AFI 1 predictions but our power rankings, but we will move on to our interview with our guest today. So we have Shane Campbell, head, co- head coach of the Dublin Rebels and newly appointed. Congratulations on your new role, coach. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. No, we're well, absolutely Cheers, guys. I'm just laughing here. I was in the background flying around there. You know, you set up uh, to join the podcast and you look what's in the background. It's just you get online and uh, I was throwing stuff around the room here. So hopefully it's not messing <laughs> in the background now at this stage. I think I do that before every episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, this here is the thing. You guys, you guys are actually experts in this. So this is my first introduction to uh, podcasts in the uh, American Football League around here. So uh, definitely a learning lesson for me. Prepare get the stuff ready in the background and uh, things won't look so bad. Experts is a very grandiose term, uh, but uh, we're glad to have you on, especially for the first. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, really do. You know, it's great to be here and um, it's nice to kind of kick off the season. You know, it's good listening to everything that's going on now and, you know, I'll catch up on what you guys were obviously talking about as well um, when, when this is all done and dusted, but um yeah great work being being done and uh, it's nice to see it all kind of coming together for yet another season for everybody yeah yeah it's great that's yeah, great kelly if he hasn't seen the power yet he won't know we have the rebels at six this is excellent <laughs> <laughs> well this is the thing you know this uh, is, I think... thing is new, new season new season new challenges so who knows yeah yeah this is it and i suppose we'll just go straight into asking you questions yeah. Um, and I, I was going to say, I didn't have this down, but Shane, how long have you been with the Dublin Rebels? Um, lifelong, basically since 2001. So um, I joined the Rebels 2001, um, came down with kind of, you know, the usual aspirations to be maybe a linebacker or a fullback or something like that. Um, got into the O-line, stayed on the O-line player until 2008. Um, that was my last season then, and then coached from '09 up to 2014. Uh, kind of put an end to it for the for a while then. Once my daughter was born, and then when the kids came along, you know, I kind of got out of it for a while. Back in with the Wolfhounds through a nice nod from Andy D, and um, now um, back with the Rebels from last season. So it's kind of a, a few chapters to it, but effectively, you know, 20 plus years around the league anyway. Yeah, well, I gotta say, seven years as a player on the offensive line is some career over here. Like in terms of, first of all, knowing yeah. what you're doing and being able to be picked for seven years in a row and not replaced by a rookie, and two, yeah, like that's, that, yeah. that's an unforgiving position. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I always, interestingly enough, it was always a position that I kind of enjoyed. You know, from when I first started watching the game way back when I first came across it. You know, I always loved the offensive line. Um, had massive kind of dreams of play you know you, you kind of forget at the time you know back when, when I was a kid you know growing up genetics was genetics I think kids are getting a lot bigger now I kind of failed mm-hmm. to kind of see that you know certain things were uh, going to necessarily restrict you you know one of my favorite players was uh, a guy called Carl Nelson back in the day he was huge six foot six 285 and I always remember remarking that you know someday I'll be that guy uh, didn't quite work out that way got a lot closer to 285 in terms of weight in my career that I ever did the six foot six. But the bottom line is I love the, the, the position, you know, and I was actually very privileged to stay on the, the line, you know, for that whole time, you know, straight off the uh, rookie season, got rookie of the year that year, and then just kind of kept going. And I think it was as we started to progress, um, players like Jerome Egg, 
Yeah. Um, a big lad called Marcus. I can't remember his surname now, but he was a Cork D lineman. But those kind of guys were starting to change the game as well, you know, massively physical. Um, and for me then, I kind of said, it's about time to kind of get off the line and maybe start coaching these guys, you know, let somebody else take it. So, yeah, really good. Uh, good run of it, you know, Atlantic Cups in there, Shamrock Bowls in there as well. Uh, so proud of that end of it, for sure. Yeah, of course, you've absolutely stacked um, football CV. But it's also very interesting that um, that you were away and then you're back in, in 2023. So you kind of missed a whole identity change of, of the Dublin Rebels while you're away. And so one of the questions yeah, I had to ask you exactly. is like, how would you describe the, the identity of the team that you've now um inherited let's yeah. say from head coach uh, Ross McCooey. Yeah that's you know a, a really good one and I think for the most part in my opinion it's still kind of as it has been you know the, the Rebels are physical brand of football you know um, and I think it's fair to say even to this day we get the best of every team that plays us you know we they come to us they want to knock us off you know um and that brings the best out in us as well. So we have to be physical. And it's always been a tough brand of football. Um, we haven't always been the biggest players around, you know, but we have that fight, that fighting mentality. It's the dog mentality that's there that people always talk about. And that's run through the Rebels forever. Um, even in this kind of current generation, there are still some of those, you know, more old school physical guys there. But on top of that now, you know, we have Ty involved. Uh, our offense is extremely high powered. We have a lot more kind of going on across the league in general, you know, teams are developing it's getting far more cerebral in the approach that we all have to take with it you know um so that part of it offense is definitely high powered defense is still swarming you know still attacking around there so um i think the the identity is still that physical fighting uh kind of dog mentality that's there but with some nice new wrinkles in it you know and uh some some kind of high octane stuff as well that keeps everybody entertained yeah I, well entertained for sure you know it it's always Rebels, Rebels put on a show always, you know. Um, I was going to say then, what's the philosophy that you will bring as a head coach to this team? Uh, well, I think the, the first and most obvious one to that really is to maintain the win and momentum that we have. You know, from my point of view, I want to see that we continue that. You know, we always talk about it every week. We've got standards that we want to set. We've standards that we want to bring out. Um, and from my point of view, it's just going to be, you know, ensuring that we get and maintain those standards you know i want to see uh players develop i'd like to see younger players step up and become leaders and we've got some fantastic young players in the rebels you know there's some absolutely great guys out there that i'd never seen before Um, i turned up with the rebels last year and i find out that they're only in their second season or whatever you know so this is the kind of guys that we're bringing along um and they are going to step up you know so we want to make sure that they have that um ability to be the best players they can i look to encourage and nurture that um looking to build what we are doing at the moment part of our overall culture is obviously to try and build that family atmosphere uh bring the game to a wider audience as well you know um so all of that is just gonna is gonna come in for me it's brand new for me as well for the most part but really focusing on maintaining that winning momentum uh is going to be a huge part of everything yeah absolutely yeah so you used to be uh the offensive line coach was it, is that the title? I just want to get the title right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's 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 a it's a slight change, all right. You know, you go from one thing. Normally, you might transition into a, a coordinator or something like that. But uh, I suppose at the end of the day, when you're working with two of the best in the business, like we've got Ty and we've got Steve Walsh as well. You know, these guys are really phenomenal. So we don't have to change mm-hmm. too much. 
on our team you know i can kind of step in and uh, keep the momentum going and those guys can work away and just keep doing what they do so from my point of view kind of this role here is just going to be about maintaining uh what we're doing you know ensuring that we can keep that focus going and just being there to support those guys you know make sure that everything that we set out to do is a, you know is obtained and we operate at the kind of standard and the high level that we want to do oh you don't have break something that's already fixed and working no like, exactly I mean, sure. well that was it that's that's part of the whole thing you, like this was for me you know when you, th- when you think about coming into a position like this you know maybe you're coming into a team that is looking for a rebuild or is you know new and developing we didn't have to do any of that this was literally step in no need to change anything no wholesale changes that you know uh, sure we've lost some players you know from one season to the next we have a few changes that are going to come in but there's nothing drastic that needs to be done so it's not about me coming in and saying, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to install this, um, or want to run this in particular. No need for any of that kind of thing. We've got really good guys in place, really good athletes around us as players, um, you know, and a great uh, organization behind us. So this is just about keeping that focus, as I said, on everything that we need to do uh, in order to achieve our goal for the year. Well, you mentioned about earlier, actually, the privilege of working for a few years with Jerome Egg. Uh, I find that offensive yeah. line coaches are real leaders of men and make fantastic head coaches. So I'm sure, not to well, jinx on you, I'm sure you're going to be fantastic. But I appreciate it. Yeah. For, it's taken for granted by a lot of people that you guys are going to go 10 and 0 again and win everything. I don't think that a lot of people like that watch these shows realize what goes into team preparations every year. All the cold yeah. January morning sessions, the rain, the sleep, the snow, the Zoom calls, the hits that you take from your own team before an opponent even comes to town. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about what goes into the sort of, you know, the behind the scenes, the January to March? Like, I'm sure you, like, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm sure you'd like to go 10 and 0 again, but you don't we just would. turn up and be the rebels and be 10 and 0 again without that Jan- no. the January to March is crucial, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I suppose you just hit the nail on the head. It's not just a Rebels thing, by the way. It's across the board. You know, when you think about where you start out, you know, it depends on where you are, what your your training environment is. You know, everything can be a challenge from, from day one, you know. So we have that goal that we've set. Okay, retain the title is our out-and-out number one goal. You know, I don't think you ever become a champion and accept the fact then that that's it you know we're trying to achieve something that is quite hard to do in sports you know it's been done a few times throughout the league and i have had the privilege of being involved in teams before within the rebels that have gone back to back but just like you say january uh up until now it is it is a slog you know um being at training trying to get the guys down um again coming back to what we were talking about the culture trying to encourage guys you know you want people that are going to enjoy coming to training Um, we don't necessarily want training to be something that people have to feel as a chore you know it mightn't look that way on a on a saturday morning when the rain is coming down and we're up to our ankles in mud and everybody's just you know slipping and sliding around but that's what i see brings that character out uh, and that's where that all stems from. It's those fellas that are there every single week in that mud, training, uh, getting ready for the season ahead, putting in the hard grind, you know. And then on the back of that, you have the recruitment drive. You know, you have the new guys coming in. Um, you're trying to build up the team. You're trying to build up the experience to them. You know what I mean? They might have no equipment. They're sliding around in the mud. They're trying to figure out how to get into a three-point stance if they're an offensive or defensive line. You know, all of these most simple things that we all take for granted as time goes by, they become a big factor. Um, and, and crucially then, when we roll into March, it's some of those guys that came in back in November or so that could become a crucial and vital part of our retention plans for the year ahead, you know. So it really is a balancing act, uh, and it's a grind, and everyone knows it's a grind, you know. So that's really kind of where we are at the moment. Just we've come through it all. 
it's the kind of round one of the fight again next week and we're as prepared as we can be right now but that's going to keep going as the season goes on those rookies make yeah. all the difference you yourself you're a rebel oh yeah of offensive rookie of the year so you, you know you've been yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Their, literally in their shoes yeah yeah exactly and that's it and that's from my own point of view as a coach coming up i love that that's what i really like to see is where we can get those guys that will stick in with the team um stay part of everything build up you know and become those next generation players and it's so good to see and, and again every team across the league really enjoys that you know when you get that bunch of players and you look back in a year or two and they, they're vital cogs in whatever you're doing you know so definitely yeah i'm a big big advocate of uh developmental uh, uh aspects of the game for for players whatever age they are when they turn up we've uh yeah. johnno last year john o'carroll uh from yeah, the from yeah, the o-line came yeah, in yeah. in his in his mid-30s he, he he'd be uh he wouldn't like to put a full number on it but that's the kind of thing as well it's not just a rookie that turns up in their 20s or early 20s anybody can mm-hmm. come along and someone can shine uh, and they can be that rookie of the year. So it, it is, like you said, it's the vital piece really it is October up to now, just trying to build that into into the team. Yeah. Oh, and believe me, I'm a big fan of any and all late start athletes because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I kind of might fit into that category these days we, myself. Like, so <laughs> when you have yeah, someone like Jono that is the example that illustrates, it's it's very it's very reassuring for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it is like, I mean, that's the thing for for everybody in the league. And not only that, but, you know, you have that it's the late start, but it's the it's the guys that want to keep going and going as well. You know, it's hard to pull away from it. It's hard to step away. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, from the from my people point that retire view, in I... August, and then by the time November comes around, it's like yeah, ah, exactly, yeah. One, more, one more round, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To one more round. From my from my point of view, I think by the time I was getting knocked around by some of these guys that were changing the game, or, well, they had been there. Maybe my body was just changing, but I knew it was kind of time to step away. But I'm so admirable of uh, the guys that actually stick in it, you know, and go for years and years. You know, and we've seen them all down there. Yeah, every team has some of those guys that are. You know, yeah, like life real, like veterans, real, like just yeah. absolute lifers of the whole game. You know, can't go away, won't retire, and uh, it's great to see. Yeah, it is, and I think uh, especially that you have so many of of those vets, and even now, I think it's fair to to call some of the the younger players vets at this stage. Particularly, I think in in the Shamrock Bowl, we saw some kind of. Yeah. New newer names, um, young yeah, players yeah. really stand up and show a lot of a lot of um maturity. And so I Steve wanted King, to ask I'm Ben. Sure was, he was phenomenal in that game. Unbelievable. Oh, absolutely like, unbelievable. And and to your point, Kelly, it's exactly what I've seen since I've come back. Like this is probably one of the best groups of players I've been around. You know, and that's what's really given me, um that joy back in and I said to the guys last year I I kind of was away from the game I had missed it I was really enjoying the stuff with the wolfhounds and still do but at club level you know when I came back it, it felt different and and you'd men- mentioned as well Kelly it's a little bit different now at the rebels than it had been um and when you just see those young athletes you know you have Dave King you've got the Johnson brothers out there as well um Dan is phenomenal Greg the, the two of the, the two of those guys are really just unbelievable receivers um we've got jack up from cork now this year you know and i can already see in him he has that driven a professional attitude and this is the kind of thing that guys on both sides of the ball you know offense and defense but they're just lads that take it so seriously now and and are really shaping the future of what this game will be um you know at club and at national level yeah and and i was going to say you know i think it's Given all of that, and it's so fair to expect big things from you coming into the season, I think that there's also a lot of talk around the team. I think everybody kind of yeah. has big expectations. And so how do you, as a 
as a club and as a team deal with that mentality, like that, you know, perceived pressure? Well, that's it. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose, you know, from that point of view, you've earned the right to be number one. Um, you've gone out, you've done a, a, an undefeated season, won a Shamrock Bowl. But now the new challenge begins. And when you go undefeated, you've already got, well, you've two things, in my opinion, that happen on you. you, you your target as a champion is bigger on your back now. You know, everybody yeah, wants yeah. to be a champion. So whoever it is, is going to have a target on the back because to get that title, you have to knock the champion off. So from our point of view, where we need to shine, um, and part of what we talked about last year in our team and building into our team is we always have to be even keel, never too, you know, not getting too high in the moment or not getting too low, but we need to always be in the fight. And for us this year, you know, I've said it to the guys, the physical side of football will always be there, but the mental strength that it's going to take this year, you know, and where you have to really step up. And you've seen in, in games like UCD, in all the games we played against them, the mental strength it takes to stay in for both teams in a fight and yes, maybe one yeah. one slip up or one mistake costs a game. A couple of games could be one on the flip of a coin. But it's that kind of thing that you need to sustain and be able to work through. Uh, we went up to Belfast last year. They put up a few scores on us. And probably, you know, it was the best example for me of overcoming that um, and seeing that mental resi- that resilience come in because we came back, stayed, as we say, even keel on it build ourselves back up, executed our game plan and came out of top. And for me, I'm really proud to see that in the team. Um, but that will be a huge part of this year. You know, we have to understand that adversity is going to be part of it. It will come at us and we have to kind of accept that, but overcome that as well. Yeah. And I mean, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say like, just because I, I remember that night's game at one point, they, it was, mm-hmm. it was 20, 20 yeah. nothing. You know what I mean? That's quite mm-hmm. a significant amount of scores to put up on another team and for the team to come back. And I think that maybe that would have been maybe one of the best experiences that you yeah. had in that season, because I think exactly. the, there was a huge difference in you could sense it the mentality of the team from the last Shamrock Bowl to the most recent one where it really yeah. was a case that everybody just played it really, really very much right to the end. You know, it was a fantastic yeah, game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can that mentality that you're talking about. Like I can I can see it as you're as you're talking about it. You know, I, I know from the sideline you can see it in a team as well. Yeah, exactly. And and that is, that's, that's really, you know, crucial, I think. And that's, you know, going to be for everybody, but that's something that we understand and mm. we know. And, and I guess everything we talk about and our team at the moment is standards. We talk about trying to operate at the highest standard here, trying to build the team for the future, trying to build everything towards, you know, a better, a better league as well. You know, and you can see everybody's tightening up, you know, I, this year is going to be, I think, one of the best. Um, and I think there's a bunch of teams in there that's going to be really, really potentially, you know, uh, tight and close up together, you know. So this is going to just be a great challenge. And that's something that we enjoy. It's something that we relish. Um, and it will, it's going to be tough. And this is where, for me, you know, on the, it's going to be sideline management. It's going to be trying to, to, to handle all of that kind of thing. But when I look at what we've got around us, um, you know, no doubt that we can, from our point of view, do it, you know. Um, I know everyone else is going to be, think of the same thing <laughs> yeah of course ian you had a question there before i cut you off sorry but i was just going to say like the ta- like looking at the rebels teams of the past the, and no disrespect to them at all the, the talent in the current roster as you've already said is ridiculous like top mm. to bottom both sides of the ball but the one that stood out to me was last year at the nights the one that you were down by like two or three scores at the half and 
I, again, by a team your, you didn't expect as well. Yeah. Sorry, like, I know, that, 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 but it was no. so unexpected, you know. But it, it's yeah, a case of just not playing the scoreboard, you know. Um, it's part of your, your biggest job as head coach is when you're down by 21 points to remind the guys to keep playing football and not chase 21 points. Just go out, score, stop, score. Yeah. The scoreboard will take care of itself. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about where we are right now, and if you if you look around the league, like um, I came back to this team, I didn't know Ty that well. You know, I, I'd seen a bit. I started looking at the the Shamrock Bowl from the year before, and I could see the kind of skill and the talent there. But being around him in person as well, and we talk about what we're doing, and we talk about that, and we talk about resilience and and where you want to go. You're, all you have to do is look at him, you know, in any of those games we've seen. Like he is really the focal point of everything, and he's he's a true leader, you know, and mm-hmm. a guy that I've I'm just enjoying being around, and that pulls everybody up as well, you know. So everybody's buying into this, and um, everybody understands it. And then you look at those younger players you're talking about. That's a whole new thing for me as well, you know. These guys take it so seriously. Um, the 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 younger sort of generation in this league, it really is changing it for everybody, you know. They are a different breed you know all together now and uh, the, the ability and and the acceptance maybe of something going pear-shaped is is there that's fine but it's the ability then to overcome that and and still maintain what they want to do and they're they're super at it you know um and it kind of gives me that confidence you know one week away from ucd i'm getting an awful lot of confidence just in myself from seeing what those guys can do and being around that crew you know yeah i'd like to compliment you on your approach because you very much um, remind me actually of some of the things that Kieran O'Sullivan says where he talks about his role as a head coach and he just describes it as the best best seat in the house you know because yeah. like that he doesn't you know he's not telling the the O-line coach how to do this or the wide receivers coach how to do that he trusts his team that they know what they're doing and then he empowers them to do that and I think that that's kind of the hallmark of of a good head coach and just from the way that you're describing your approach to it I think you have a similar kind of a, a a coaching approach yeah that's going to be it effectively that's uh, you're dead right like down the years i've worked with some really good guys and you know sometimes you think about opportunity um i came into the league when the when you know i got to work with the dennehy's brian and andy and andy's phenomenal you know andy really built up you know a a super knowledge in us you know and he took us to to a certain level um and we won a, a lot through that. So I've, I've always been exposed to really good quality coaching and that uh, moving into the Wolfhounds then as well, still working with Andy um, and still working with Kieran Sullivan as well and kind of seeing that too. So from the point of view of what kind of Kieran brings as well, that then fits into where we are right now as well with, with the current Rebels. You know, you're talking about standards. Um, you're talking about the preparation, you know, the communication, having that really good crew of uh, coaches around. And, you know, at times... For me, I've always been on the offensive side of the ball. So now all of a sudden I'm I'm working with uh, Steve on the defense and he's got a couple of guys that are kind of up and coming leaders of the defense in there. But I'm learning a ton from that, you know. So for me, just to have that guys, and you use the word, Kelly, just empowered uh, and let them go for it, you know, be it the coordinators themselves or the guys that want to step in as assistants or coaches or players who want to become leaders. Um, that really is the strength of everything. And that's kind of where we want to go with this, you know, um, and it will just help build everything we want for the future. It's one of those like six days a week, you're the head coach managing everything, but on game day, you're really just a firefighter. You're just making yeah. sure that everything else is taken on schedule, you know? 
Yeah, and so and and in fairness as well, like it can be a bit of firefighting during the week, you know, because I stepped into this role <laughs> sure. and uh, for me, this is brand new. You know, I'm finding out an awful lot as we go along, but we are trying to coordinate things. You know, so you're you're trying to link in with the coaches, you're trying to link in with the players, and mm. um, you're trying to do certain things. You know, but it, it's all about them trying to hit the priorities. You know, and and by we're by no means where I want us to be right now. Uh, towards the end of the season if you know what I mean this is day one like we said this is round one of a new fight coming up this weekend but I've got an eye on later in the season as well you know what I mean so like we talked about being even keeled and and not panicking I don't want to be hitting panic buttons just yet I understand we definitely need to get better but um, kind of to the point of of everything it's really just about trying to build it in you know in what we can do like I, I remember being at a session before years ago with, with Jeff Reinbold and he was talking about you know the NFL they do it all day every day college is about 20 hours a week you know but for us coaches and us players around the league you're trying to fit in around family work everything so you may get you know five hours during a week be it with coaches players and actual on-field training and trying to coordinate everything in that little window uh, is a real challenge you know but that's I suppose something that can you know it helps you know helps build up our own coaching our coaching skills at the end of the day so yeah. little of the five hours as well as like in pads anymore now again that's like, I know like yeah NFL things Johnny Bay brought that along and I'm a big proponent of training without pads for certain things yeah. but like it limits what you're able to do and simulate a little bit as well so you're really yeah. having to condense into a lot yeah of exactly it is yeah you're dead right and and you know, apart from everything as well, you know, who's there on, on the day, you know, who have we got uh, traditionally, typically for us, you know, a few, a few linemen might turn up, you know, so even there you're limiting the drills you can mm-hmm. do, you know, uh, we've always been blessed with skilled players, you know, you look up, you yeah. look up north and you see the Trojans, the Knights and everybody, you're looking at these guys, you know, where are they just churning these guys out from, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, what are they eating up there? You know, what's going on? But uh, a lot of those guys, you know, you, you look at it and we, we're down here, we're working hard. Um, and we have that kind of crew of guys that are there every week working themselves so hard just to be as good as they can, you know, but it's slog for, for, for some of it, you know, you, you might have the same five guys trying to get every single rep in, trying to do everything themselves, you know, and uh, again, like I, I admire it, the guys work hard and they play physical when they have to and when they can um, and they put in good work in those sessions, but you're dead right, it is a bit of a different mentality and approach than we used to have back in the day. And how are you feeling coming into week one? We're one week away now from your your opening matchup. Yeah, which is, of course that anticipated yeah. like rematch of the of the Shamrock Bowl against UCD. So how 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 are you faring? It's, it's like Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants. It's like every year you turn the TV <laughs> on a week one. It's ah, oh, it's Rebels UCD again. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely look. Um, you know, it's two two kind of top teams you know you know you're going straight into this and it's a tone setter really for the season ahead now you know this is really going to be one of the most physical games that we'll probably have throughout the season as well um and for us this is going to just be a a chance to showcase what we have see where we're at uh physically see where we're at in terms of our own mental strength you know and our resilience you know and like i said earlier on in the in the chat um you can be sure there will be adverse uh moments in this game and this Enjoy. is about just trying to show that strength, okay? Um, in terms of where we're, where we are personally and, and that, you know, I'm really happy as to what we've done, the effort we've put in. Uh, we're clicking. We're ready to go. 
Um, you know, the guys, like I said, it is a kind of a pack mentality. It's a fighting kind of team. It's a team that relishes the challenge, physical, everything. You throw it at the at the Rebels and uh, we'll kind of enjoy it and we'll come after it, you know. And that's the way we're going to approach this one. We're, we're looking to get into this uh, and we're looking to kind of get off to a, a good start. Well, we were talking about schedules earlier on and you're the only team that doesn't have the Rebels on the schedule. So realistically, UCD away is your toughest game. But... I get the feeling, just from listening to you, I get the feeling you're not the sort that shies away from a tough game. This is actually the perfect litmus test to open the season because like, this is as yeah. hard as it gets, the most adversity. You'll have a really good idea of your team on March 4th than where you do exactly. on March 2nd. Like, you exactly. Really will. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, that's that's the challenge. You know, it is. You know you're coming up against a team that's really well coached. They're a really good team. You know, there's no, no denying that. And that's exactly what it is. It's the litmus test for, for the season ahead. You know, where are we stacking up right now? Um, we know what we have. We know that we we can fight. We know that we can be physical. We know that we can do, you know, all of the kind of smart things of football as well. So from that point of view, you know, we don't go into anything. We, we don't fear anybody, but we respect everybody. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to respect every team you play against because, um, you know, going back to that game, Kelly against the Knights, you know, if you if you go into that game and you, you kind of get – we we sometimes say, you know, did everybody get off the bus? Did we get off the bus? Maybe we you don't in certain respects, you know, and, and suddenly you find yourself down. You're in a bit of a hole and you have to climb back out of it. So you cannot go into any game without the respect of the opponent you're, you're going into. And certainly with um, UCD, you know, definitely that's in, in, in bagfuls. You know, everybody around the league respects what they're doing. So for us, that challenge uh, is going to be really good. But we're, we're, we're kind of looking forward to getting into it. Yep. I bet you are. Right, well, we might leave it there. I think that's a really, really good place to leave it. I think we're all really looking forward <laughs> to yeah. the kickoff now and, and, oh, and to follow you. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a fantastic season. So, you know, we leave it there. Listen, all the best for the season coming. And again, congratulations on, on the head coach. Role Cheers, and guys. You think you'll do a great job. Well, I appreciate it. It's been really nice chatting with you and, um, you know, hopefully we'll chat again and see as the season goes by. But, you know, as a as a first introduction to the podcast world and getting into it I uh, thank you guys for inviting me on and uh, keep doing what you're doing so that brings us to the end of our episode um, thank you so much to head coach Shane Hamill for joining us um, Ian well done on your first ever time hosting the domestic game podcast I think Shane did most of the heavy lifting if I'm honest I didn't really have to do all that much at all but thanks anyway yeah no worries yeah I think between yourself and Shane me and Joe are out of a job so (laughs) (laughs) but um great so we'll sign it off there um I'm your host Kelly Dwyer he's your host Ian Shaw and we'll catch you later see you next time